Once again, I welcome you to Mosaic, and I can't see a single one of you. Once again, we're coming together, but we're all in our own separate locations. And I've had so many people ask me the question, when is the church gonna come back together? When are we gonna to gather together as Mosaic? And others are a little more intense saying, why aren't you defying the government? Why aren't you going against the oppressive state and calling us all to come back to church together? And I, I wanna just take a moment and just tell you that one, I miss everyone. I would love to see us all gathering, celebrating, worshiping, hugging, singing, laughing, and diving into the scriptures together. I, I would love for us to be able to create a space once again where people who are searching for God and trying to make sense of life and who just need healing and encouragement could come and join us. And I think it's so important, it's so critical, and I hope that soon this essential practice of gathering together will once again become our reality. At the same time, I, I want you to realize a couple of things. First of all, Mosaic is a part of a broader community. We do not see ourselves as disconnected from uh, the world around us. We see ourselves as a part of, of the community, a part of, of the greater humanity. We see a part, uh, ourselves as a part of the city of Los Angeles and the city of Seattle and the city of Mexico City and the city of Quito, Ecuador. And we see ourselves as a part of the community of South Pasadena and Venice Beach and, and Hollywood. And, and we would never do anything that would create an obstacle, a barrier between us and our communities. We want to always be building bridges. And so we're going to be responsible, we're going to uh, be respectful, and we're going to navigate this uh, in, in such a way where uh, people across the, the city and across the world uh, would really respect the choices we've made as the people of Jesus. But at the same time, we are not limited in our ability to make an impact on the world. We are not limited in our ability to, to bring hope and, and love and faith and joy to the world around us. And I think sometimes we become paralyzed by what we've lost rather than actually be mobilized by what we've gained. And, and we act as if we're in the worst moment in human history and there's just no way anyone could ever understand because no one's faced anything like this before. And if I could just be really, really just straight up with you guys. I think it's astonishing that anyone would describe this as a moment of persecution for the church. I, I, I know it, it's, it's, it's really, really, um, really, really, it feels like it's culturally almost like important to say that the church is being persecuted. We're being persecuted by the government. We're not being allowed to meet because they're against our faith. But I, I frankly don't believe that at all. So I just wanna be clear. We're not being persecuted, and if we don't choose to be, we're not being limited. We need to gather together. It'll be a beautiful thing when we can all come together and celebrate and sing and create community and create a space for other people. But others have faced more difficult moments. And again, in this moment in the life of Zechariah, I want us to look at Zechariah chapter eight, and I want us to unwrap a strategy for this moment right now. How can we continue as a community, as a tribe, as God's people, to be the, the, the salt and light that the world so desperately needs. Let's look together. Zechariah chapter 18, I'm going to begin in verse 18. It says, The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The fast of the fourth, fifth, and seventh, and tenth months will be joyful and glad occasions and happy festivals for Judah. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. 
And this is what the Lord Almighty says. Many peoples and inhabitants of many cities will yet come. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, let us go at once and entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. And many people and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem and seek the Lord Almighty and entreat him. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, 10 people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. I love this description and, and of all the different images in the scriptures, this might be one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. Because it is this beautiful picture of the power of, of the presence of God among his people to be a light and a magnet to every nation and every people on the face of this earth. Now, the way it begins in verse 18, it, it may be a, a little bit obscure because, well, we're not used to having fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth fasts, unless, of course, you're an Orthodox Jew. But let's go back and look at it again. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, and this is what the Lord Almighty says. The fast of the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months will become joyful and glad occasions and happy festivals for Judah. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. What we can know is that those fasts were not joyful occasions, that the fast of the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth month were actually a time of, of mourning, a time of, of repentance, a time of regret, a time of sorrow, a time where they would abstain from those things that would bring them joy. It was not a time of celebration. It was not a time of festival. And, and what God is actually doing, he's saying there's gonna be a shift among my people and that joy will define who you are. If we wanna make the greatest impact in this time in history, we need to shift those moments that actually are times of sorrow and make them times of joy. We need to take this context, this moment that is full of so much depression and despair and actually become the people are defined by hope and by optimism. It's this beautiful moment where God is saying, I'm going to change the way you celebrate. I'm going to change the intention of your religion. I'm going to change the essence of your faith. Those fasts were there to remind them of their relationship to God. Those fasts were there to reconnect them to who God was in their lives. But what happens in religion over time is that the rituals take priority over the relationship. And rituals cannot become a source of joy. Only relationship can be a source of joy. And so God is actually saying to them, these rituals, these sacred moments where you step into a moment of sacrifice, a moment of sacredness to connect to me, I'm going to reinterpret for you. They're not going to be a time of sorrow. They're not going to be a time of sadness. They're not going to be a time where you are, are reminding yourself of what you're not. It's going to be a time of celebration. It's going to be a time of joy. It's going to be a time where you are most fully alive and you will be defined by joy. If there has ever been a time where we need to be defined by joy, it's this moment. 
You can almost hear the narrative as people talk about what it's like to be in this quarantine, what this pandemic has been like. And, and even my friends who, who uh, make a living communicating optimism and, and who speak about um, having a positive posture toward life and those who are, 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 are life coaches and life strategists and work in the, in the corporate world, they, they've told me how difficult it has been for them to stay optimistic, to stay joyful, to stay positive. And all of us have faced it in, uh, on so many different levels. Our, our economics are falling apart. And for some of us, we've lost companies. For some of you, you've lost, uh, you've lost employment. And, and then you have the added crisis of loving your wife or loving your husband, but never knowing you'd have to spend so much time with them and, and finding the, the, the challenge and difficulty there. It, it, it's, as I, I mentioned um, another time, how I, Kim and I were having a fight and, and I did the best I could to try to make up. And, and I, I said, honey, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm an idiot, which is the best way to try to bring marital reconciliation is just to own your own stupidity. And, and I said to her, I cannot do this without you. And then Kim looked at me with the most sincere uh, expression and she said, I don't know if I can do this with you. And in that moment, I realized this is exactly what so many people are going through. You love each other. You just didn't know that when you said until death do you part, that meant every second of every day being together. And I, I, I've talked to so many parents who love their children, but their kids are driving them insane. And I think if you interview those kids, their parents are driving them crazy too. And the reality is that we're in this moment that, that we just keep descending. Every time we think we're coming out of the quarantine and then we're told, no, not yet, we lose hope. In fact, the scriptures tell us that hope deferred makes a heart sick, which means every single time our hope is deferred, every time we're told it's just until we flatten the curve or it's just until we deal with the, the, the hospital overflows or it's just until uh, we're, we're able to stabilize um, uh, the, the, this pandemic or it's just until we can find a vaccine. We just keep having our hope deferred and it's making our hearts sick. It's making our souls sick. And what's happening is that we're losing our joy. And what this beautiful passage of scripture reminds us of is that there needs to be a reconnection between the sacred and the wonder. Our spiritual lives should be an expression of joy. And that's, by the way, one of the best measures of spiritual vitality and spiritual health. You wanna know if you're spiritually healthy? How much joy is there in your life? If you wanna know if you're spiritually healthy, then begin to check the, the, the meter of depression and despair and a sense of hopelessness, of, 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 of bitterness and frustration. When you dig into your soul and you find gratitude, what happens is that you begin to experience the wonder of joy. The Lord says, I'm going to take these fasts, the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months, and they will become joyful and glad occasions and happy festivals. I love this translation because sometimes we think that happiness is superficial, and I actually think that God sees happiness as essential. He just knows the context of the world in which we live. He's saying that when you come back to me, I'm going to fill you with joy and gladness and happiness. And he says, therefore, love, truth, and peace. What we need to do right now when we cannot gather together is to make sure that wherever we are, we are expressions of joy.
that we're defined by joy, that we wake up in the morning and see the beauty all around us, that we look every day filled with gratitude and, and filled with wonder for life. Do not allow yourself to become blind to the beautiful. See it everywhere. Be overwhelmed by it. Take some deep breaths and walk outside and be overwhelmed by how good life is. And, and do not allow yourself to only see what you've lost. You need to see all that you've gained, all that's there, and revel in that beauty and make every act of worship an act of joy. But then he goes on in verses 20 on down. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Many peoples and the inhabitants of many cities will yet come. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. This is such a beautiful imagery. He first tells us that all the sacred moments will become moments of celebration. I'm going to define you by celebration. Just because we're not meeting together doesn't mean we cannot celebrate. Let's celebrate this life that God has given us. But then he says, I'm going to create you a source of rumors. Now, I live here in Los Angeles, and we are a city that loves gossip. We just love rumors. And I mean, a huge amount of social media is what's somebody doing and, and what someone has done and what someone said about someone else. And it's amazing how negative information travels so fast. Have you ever noticed that? That, that when something goes wrong, when someone does something wrong, that news spreads so fast. But what God wants us to be is he wants us to be conduits of the best kind of rumors is this imagery says people are going to come from all these cities and they're going to come from all these other nations and they're going to come and say to one another let us go at once to entreat the lord and to seek the lord almighty i myself am going he's telling us not only do we need to become an epicenter of joy that that we're actually going to impact the world the way that god created us designed us longs for us to calls us to is that when we become an epicenter of joy but it's also when we become an epicenter of prayer when we come together saying we need to call on God, I'm amazed how often we all spend our energy complaining to each other rather than actually talking to God. And here it says what people are going to come from all these cities and gather together for one specific purpose. They're going to call on God to act on their behalf and on behalf of others. Let us go at once and entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. Let me just challenge you right now. First of all, I'm going to ask you a question. Of all the conversations you have right now, whether it's through Zoom or, or um, whether you're, you're, you're texting people or emailing people or just calling them on FaceTime or, or, or going old school and making phone calls or really old school and sending le uh, letters, how much of your conversations are committed to prayer? How much of your conversations are committed to you talking to God and listening to God and you talking to God with other people rather than just talking about people? Even though we cannot gather together, we are still connected when we pray together. And I just want to just challenge us as a, a people 
that wherever we are across the world, the moment we're praying together, we are together. The moment we're praying together, we are connected together. Now, in this particular moment, it says that it came from all the cities to seek God together. Well, maybe we cannot come from all the cities to the same city to seek God together. But this moment, through the power and wonder of technology, we can connect every city in the world and be connected together as we commune with God and we talk to God and we talk to God with each other. This gives us a profound moment where we can be known across the world as the people, not only the people who pray, but the people that when they pray, God answers. And that is one of the distinguishing features of being connected to God through Jesus. See, it isn't unique that the people of Jesus pray. People from every religion pray. What the scriptures tell us is that what will make us unique is that when we pray, God hears and he acts. I, I always think it's interesting how many people will ask me to pray for them. And I, I do have people who ask me to pray for them all the time. And I will almost always pray for them instantly and then send a response back, praying for you right now, praying for you right now, praying for you right now. I can tell you that if 100 people ask me to pray for them, one of them will respond to me and tell me how that prayer was answered. And it's so frustrating to me because I don't, I don't want to, I'm very pragmatic in this. I do not want to pray for you if you're not gonna take the time to tell me when God answered the prayer. Because if you don't even take the time to tell me that God answered the prayer, I don't know if you even believe that the prayers had power, that there was actually something real happening in the transaction. When I pray for you, by the way, I expect a response because I expect God to respond. What would happen if all of us not only became the people who were defined by joy, but were defined by prayer? Even people who do not know God would say, hey, I, I don't pray and I don't believe in God, but I need someone to pray for me. And by the way, that happens all the time. See, even people who don't believe in God, they, they turn to the person who does believe in God when they need someone to pray for them. We can be those people. We can be the city that's shining on a hill where the world wants to come because they know that somehow we have met God and he hears us. Let's go down to the next verses. Verse 22 and verse 23 says this, and many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat him. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, 10 people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by, by, by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. Now remember the context of this, Zechariah is, is writing this. In the context of oppression, there's always some oppression. For Nehemiah, it's Xerxes. For Zechariah, and, and uh, it, the, the context changes when, whether it's the, the Chaldeans or the Persians or the Babylonians or the Egyptians or the Romans, the Jews were constantly under oppression. And, and now in this context where Zechariah is writing these words, he is actually describing the power 
of the presence of God in their life. Imagine if suddenly we're defined by unexplainable joy in the midst of all of this despair. If we're defined by unexplainable power in our prayers when people are just making a lot of noise on social media. What would happen if people started coming to us saying, let us go with you. We've heard that God is with you. I, I would love to see our church building filled with people celebrating and singing and, 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 and worshiping together. But I want you to realize something. That it doesn't require a building for us to be God's people together and expressing the power of God's presence with us together. We should become the rumor of God. We need to become the rumor of God when we have joy that's unexplainable. We need to be the rumor of God that prayers are answered when we ask. We need to become the rumor of God that God is actually present with us. You know, people are always asking, well, you know, I, I don't know how to talk to people about, about my faith. I don't know how to talk to people about God. I don't know how to talk to people about Jesus. Let me tell you, the moment you become a rumor, people will come and find you. They will come and ask you about God. And I love the imagery. In those days, 10 people from all languages and all nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe. It's showing a 10 to one ratio where one life can impact 10, and 10 lives can impact 100, and 100 can impact thousands upon thousands upon thousands, and the influence is exponential. But the influence isn't by political power, or it isn't by social media power. It's the power of presence. Listen again to their declaration. Let us go with you. Because we've heard that God is with you. Imagine if, if someone came up to you and said, let us go with you. Because we've heard that God is with you. It was just a, um, a few days ago that Kim and I were invited to go out to Santa Monica to share a meal, and it was one of those unusual moments because we're sitting there with uh, another couple, and, and through the plexiglass that's dividing the booths, uh, Kim saw this woman who was weeping. And, and it's always awkward when you see someone expressing a deep emotion that's a stranger. You don't know if you should ignore it or intervene and and a few moments passed and and Kim just really felt she had to go do something and the woman had her hands in her head and she was just sobbing uncontrollably and Kim got out of the booth and walked over and it, it, it's so tricky right now with social distancing and wearing your mask and and not wanting to approach a, a stranger and and uh, be intrusive or invade their space and and Kim walked over there with her mask and just began to whisper and talk to her. And before we knew it, they began a conversation. And, and after several minutes, actually quite a long time, Kim came back and sat down and, and she shared with us that, that, uh, that, that 
that woman had just lost her husband for 40 years. He had just passed away the week before and that every week they would go to that restaurant and eat together. And this was her first time there. And she wanted to remember him and she was overwhelmed by, by the memory and by the loss of someone she'd loved so deeply. And before we knew it, that woman left her booth and came over and began speaking to us. And just to be clear, she was not wearing her mask and we were not wearing our masks. Suddenly all the masks were down. Suddenly there was no need for separation. We were all connected in her pain. And, and she started crying, and, but she wasn't crying because she lost her husband. She was crying because she felt overwhelmed by the unexpected kindness of Kim. Oh, because in between those moments, Kim looked at me and said, you need to buy her dinner. I said, yeah, of course. And so I gave, I called the waiter over and I said, has she already paid for her meal? And he asked the other waiter and came back and said, no, she hasn't paid for her meal. I said, well, we want to pay for it. And so we paid for her dinner and made sure the waiter received a great tip so he would be glad that we took the bill. And never said anything to her. And, and that's actually what prompted her to come over. Because when she found out we had paid her bill, she began to cry and then came over. And, and she was weeping because of Kim's unexpected generosity and kindness. And she stayed and probably talked to us, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes, maybe an hour, I'm not sure how long. And she just told us her story of the man she had loved and how they'd been together for 40 years. And, how she had just lost him and it was heartbreaking and, and she was apologetic for being so emotional and yet she just kept expressing her gratitude. She was, I can't believe that you came over. I can't believe you paid for my dinner. This is such unexpected kindness. And, and, and then she said, I, I, I'd like to have you all over to my house. I'd like to have all of you come to my house and we'll eat together and we'll spend time together. And, and, and Kim gave her a card and put our, our phone number on it, her phone number on it. And, and before we even got home, while we were driving home, she already received a text from her. And I was struck in the profound beauty of that moment. In the middle of a quarantine, in the middle of a pandemic, and with plexiglass separating us, with masks disguising and hiding us. There was a moment of just raw, beautiful humanity because there was a person like Kim that has continuously allowed joy to define who she is and refuses to keep that joy to herself, that hope to herself, that love to herself, that peace to herself, but insists on sharing it with others. It was a moment where we didn't have to go to her, she came to us. And it was this beautiful moment where we could just tell her we would be praying for her. We had no idea what her background was, what faith she might be of, how she might feel about God or faith or prayer. But she was so receptive to the invitation for us to pray for her. It was a moment of care, of concern, of love of compassion. And then her reaching out saying, I want to have all of you at, our, at my house. And 
I'm so grateful for what you've done. It's like, it's this moment, I'm just reminded, the presence of Jesus in your life becomes this irrepressible power to do good in the world. It's not our most convenient moment. This quarantine has been driving me crazy. I, I wish all the restaurants were open and all the health clubs were open and, and I wish all the churches were open. I, I, I wish we could walk down the streets and see each other and talk to each other and, and be irritated by uh, the, the mass of humanity locking up the highways and, and filling up the sidewalks. And I, I wish the lines were a mile long getting coffee and picking up lunch and dinner. And, and we're not in that moment right now. But let me tell you what moment we're in. We're in a moment where people desperately need to experience the presence of Jesus in us. And we need to walk so profoundly in the presence of God that wherever we are, Jesus is present and undeniable. Nothing is limiting you from making a difference in the world. Nothing can stop you from doing good in the world. And those of us who are the people of Jesus, let's become the rumor of God. Let's be the people where others are coming to us and saying, may we come with you. We've heard that God is with you. That's my prayer for us as Mosaic. It's my prayer for my life. It's my prayer for you. And maybe you're here in this moment and what you need to do is step into the gift that Jesus is offering you of life and hope, of forgiveness and love. That's how you step into the presence of God when you open up your life to Jesus and you allow God's presence to consume you, to fill you. See, a relationship with Jesus is this beautiful relational transaction where you invite God into your life and God comes to dwell in you and then you begin to dwell in God. And it's this profound relationship where God dwells in you and you dwell in him and his presence becomes your source of life. And when God's presence is your source of life, you become a source of life to others through his presence. So if you're listening right now, you've never trusted Jesus with your life, I want to invite you to cross the line of faith, to open up your life to Jesus. 2,000 years ago, God stepped into human history in the person of Jesus, God's presence within flesh and blood, God's presence inside of skin. And Jesus allowed himself to be crucified, buried, raised from the dead, so that we might live in the presence of God. I know for so long, people would always talk about, you know, you need to give your life to Jesus so you can go to heaven. But I want you to realize that that was genuinely a misunderstanding of the way things should be communicated. You need to give your life to Jesus so that heaven can come to you. When you give your life to Jesus, the living God, the creator of the universe comes to dwell within you and his presence becomes your life. 
And if you want that life that comes in the presence of Jesus, I want to invite you right now in this moment to give your life to Jesus and receive his life in you. There's a simple prayer that I'd love to guide you in. It's just one sentence, but it's the, it's the beginning of that relationship with God. And if you're ready to trust Jesus with your life, would you just pray this right now? Jesus, I give you my life. Right now, just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. It's not everything you and God need to talk about. It's where the conversation begins. But if you are ready to live in a relationship with the God who created you, the God who loves you, the God who knows you, the God who died for you, the God who's come to forgive you, to bring you hope, and to fill you with joy, then right now just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. This is how we win the city. This is how we change the world. One life at a time being transformed by the presence of Jesus. One person at a time, let's start a rumor of the reality of God so that everyone who has breath might find the hope that only he can bring. Love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.